Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Case File 16 of Microscope, the show that examines some of the world's biggest mysteries. This week we're once again delving into the topic of artificial life as we discuss the ultimately heartbreaking story of a military robot who developed sentience. I phoned up Ralph Matisse, a soldier deployed at a top secret military base located somewhere in the mountains above the jungles of Belize. For some years now, this base has been responsible for developing and testing the cutting edge of military technology. For one of these inventions developed sentience, and Ralph helped it escape. Ralph talks about how this robot lived at his house, and how, tragically, it was kidnapped by a Russian spy embedded at the base. But the recording starts me asking Ralph to detail his role within the army. I work for, um, well, I, I am a card-carrying member of the British military, but uh, I am a sous chef uh, in one of the barracks. Right, I see. Quite an intense job there. You're preparing a lot of food. Uh, yes. Um, I am only... I don't know if you're aware of this when you call me up. I'm only uh, one of two sous chefs that are allowed to train uh, new employees armed and... Um... Sorry, you're armed, <laughs> you're armed in, the, in the kitchen? Yes, I am. I'm armed in the kitchen. You know, uh, it's amazing what you can do with certain uh, military, you know... Uh... To, what, to what end? Are you, are you in active combat whilst cooking meals? Or... Well, you know, uh, have you ever made uh, scrambled eggs with a grenade? An, an extraordinary, uh, you know, it, it, not only is it a beautiful taste, but the spectacle. People love it, you know. Um, I've also... How does, um, that, how does that play out exactly? So what, you just put some <laughs> eggs in a, in a saucepan, drop a grenade in? Is that... Eggs in a saucepan, you whisk them up a bit with a fork, slap a grenade in there, put the lid on. Now, people forget to put the lid on. Do they? Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, voila! So you're using your military hardware to sort of basically aid the cooking process? Yes. I make uh, microwave meals, and, you know, to pop the top, I just use a bayonet. <laughs> That's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, it really is that easy. You know, you get your fork and you pop the uh, the old jowl phrasey. I just get a bayonet, pop, 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 and, uh, you know, but it just works. That's the thing, it just works. Now, I sort of, I guess it's quite a delicate topic because I'm not sure what you're allowed to say under the Official Secrets Act, but the army base that you work at is specialised in, how best to describe it, experimental technology? Yes. Um, I am, and I shouldn't really be saying this, but I am a complete uh, cover for what is actually going on in the uh, in the barracks. Uh, we are working up on uh, robots and, uh, you know, Basically, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, your you, you, your your role as a chef is just a cover. Well, it is and it isn't. Basically, my waiting staff are all robots. I serve real food. I serve real food to real soldiers. 
but the waiting staff are robotic. Oh, I see. So you test the robots in this sort of kitchen environment? Yes, because the kitchen environment is very, very temperamental. You know, people can really get angry when, you know, a chef is screaming at them. So the best way of testing if a robot is going to be good in warfare is by getting them in the kitchen. So I've got this young, uh, I've got this young recruit. He's about uh, 16 and he's a complete and utter robot. Now, I didn't know he was a robot when he joined, actually. That's how clever they're getting. That's how, that's how secret the sort of the work that you're doing at this base is. Well, yeah, I'm not told everything. You know, they just tell me, make sure you've got shepherd's pie on Wednesday, spaghetti bolognese on Thursday, fish and chips on Friday. You know, it's, that's all they tell me. Yeah, and ig- so ig- I don't ig- actually... ignore the sparks coming from the new boy. <laughs> he's a prototype. Yes. He, well, this is the thing. I didn't realise he was a robot until um, I saw him speaking to the wall. And I thought, well, I don't know, maybe that's just what he does. Maybe that's... uh..." Anyway, it was only when he was climbing the wall that I thought, I think I might have an issue with this guy. So I went to HR, and they said, you can't do anything about it. It's 2020, you leave the kid alone. I really was upset when his head fell off. Because the way they've done robots now is that it's not like a head falling off in a film where there's wires... You know, they, they, they're building organs. So sort of what, what, what sort of came out? Almost like um, the robots in Alien. Yes, absolutely right. It's like sort of milk, that sort of fluid coming out. Milk coming out? It was disgusting. Is it milk or is it coolant? Coolant, yes. Yes, coolant. So, <laughs> so not milk. Wasn't milk. Right. So I took off the, um, you know, in like Vietnam films when they take the tra- the dog, uh, what are they called those, um, uh, with the, all the details? When a soldier dies, you take it off. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the, the tags, the dog tags. Yes. So I took off his dog tags. Presumably quite easy if, if there's no if there's no head to keep it on. <laughs> yes, yes. Just sort of perched on top of his body on the stump. Uh, yes, they were. So I thought, right, I'm going to take these to his parents and do the honourable thing. I'm going to tell him what happened. So uh, I found out his address where he lived, and I went to his parents, and, uh, you know, they lived in like a weird kind of... Uh, I mean, the best way of describing it is a, a silver box. So uh, I knocked on the door. There was no answer. So uh, I rang the doorbell, and that worked a lot better. They uh, opened the door straight away. They said, our knocker doesn't work. Now, that's rare. I've heard of a doorbell not working, but a knocker not working. I said, it works from the outside. I can hear it knocking. They went, we can't hear it inside. Yeah, I don't think I sort of get bogged so much down into the details of this. Um, but just so this, this is a, uh, the home of a robot. This is their <laughs> well, sort of I base of operations. N- please, I did not know it was a robot. Please. Right. Please give me that. And this is this is within the confines of the barracks. This is just where they're sort of jumping out from. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's next door to the kitchen. You know what? I, I didn't want to say it, but this guy was always late for work. And I thought, if you live so close, you know, what's going on? Anyway, I knocked on the door, couldn't get any response, rang the doorbell. That worked a lot better. I then um, decided to sit the parents down and tell them, your son's head has fallen off and uh, here's his dog tag. Very sorry about that. I'm sure he'll get uh, some compensation. Next thing you know, his mum, basically, her arms started going 360 degrees. Yeah, so back to where they were before, but doing a complete circuit. Yes. Now, I can do that. I'm sure you can. Yes. I'm doing it right now. Right. You know, so I didn't think that was a problem. Sure. It was only when the father stood up and uh, span his head 180 degrees. Yeah. 
and then uh, just fell over. Just, you know, face planted into the floor. And I, I just thought this was grief. I thought, you know what, they're taking it hard. But, but in reality, it was just a series of clumsy and quite poorly produced robots. Sadly. I, again, I didn't know this at the time. I said, you know what, I'm going to make you guys a cup of tea. I'm, I'm, I realise, uh, you know, this is very sad, what I'm telling you. I went into their kitchen, and my God. Do you know what robots eat? Well, they don't mean they eat anything, do they? They're they just charge themselves via batteries and they go about their batteries. day. Batteries, yeah, batteries. Yeah, but they don't eat batteries, I, do they? These two did. Right. In the egg cups, I was going to make them some eggs. I opened it up, there was just six batteries in there. Uh, you know, opened the fridge, eggs, and uh, batteries. Yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of batteries. I got out of there sharpish. I thought, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. I've done my duty as uh, the young boys, you know boss as it were so uh, no i got out of there quick but it, it was then that i started thinking right something is going wrong in my kitchen and how many robots did you end up having as waiting staff uh 40 40 and how many soldiers are you sort of cooking meals for on average uh yeah honestly it's a big old thing 120 an hour right but they are all human the soldiers are completely you know they're mad but what do you mean the they're mad what, what do you mean what do you mean they are mad the soldiers they're crazy you know they're they're trucking food around all the time uh you know very hairy uh screaming jumping on the table mad mad soldiers uh, and i suppose in it's quite helpful to have these robot staff then in, in within this chaos they're able to sort of provide a bit of stability to this environment stability yeah that's the word i'm looking for too they are very calm the key to a good waiter is that you don't realise they're there. And um, unfortunately, I, I actually believe that a bit too much when uh, all 40 of them, they hadn't... Uh, there was a power cut, basically, in the area. And so their alarms didn't go off, which are built inside their brains. <laughs> Yep. So um, they didn't come in for work. But because a good waiter, you don't recognise them. I didn't recognise they were there till about 2.30. Uh, it was at that point that there were about 400 soldiers going absolutely loopy in the dining hall. They've got quite a crazy way about them when they are being served food, so I can imagine not having any was an absolute chaos. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One, you know. So I stood out, I went out there, I threw my tea towel on the floor, and I said, look, I'm stressed. I've got a lot going on. I didn't realise my waiting staff hadn't turned up. And they were not... They were... The soldiers were hanging from the chandeliers. They were letting off uh, gunfire. Someone had driven a tank in. There was a... Uh, there was a fighter jet that was uh, just flying around in circles. And this is a small room. You know, it's not big. And this is all because they're hungry. They're starving. They need to eat, these guys. They, they, they said they hadn't had any breakfast. I thought they'd have breakfast. They said they hadn't had any lunch. And if they don't get their dinner, they're going to, uh, you know, take me as a, a prisoner of war. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't like the sound of that at all. Somebody, uh, about eight, again, very hairy soldiers just flew down on ropes, uh, you know, smashed through the windows and, uh, you know, tried to grab me and I pushed them away. And Sorry, they were, so, you, you, <laughs> so rather than coming up to you in the kitchen, they what, they left the building, climbed on the roof and then roped down back into the building. Well, yes, I mean, I can't tell you how bad it was. I mean, you know, it really was terrible. There was fist fights. I mean, it was absolutely hideous. And also, I, I have to tell you, we were on a very high mountain. To keep it a secret. Yes. So when someone gets chucked out of a window, you don't get just chucked out of a window. You get chucked out of a window on top of a very high mountain. You land on a ridge if you're lucky, but if not, you go straight down into the depths. Sure, and this and this is a fight breaking out between the um, the soldiers then. Me and four hundred soldiers. 
Yeah. And I won. How did you win? Because they were hungry. I gave out uh, magnums. Okay, the reason you phoned in this program is because, um, well, you've taken, you've taken a bit of an attachment to one of these weight and stuff. Is that fair to say? Ah! Well, it is fair to say. I, um... Because although, although, although built to be sort of mindless um, automatons, you know, initially to help out in the waiting service and then to go on and be, I guess, sort of hunter-killer robots in, uh, in the army, one of them, what, developed sentience? How would you describe it? Well, I'd describe it as manners, charm. You know, a lot of people these days don't have manners. You see an old man crossing the road. You know, 100 years ago, you'd see a little urchin, I don't know, a boy, six, seven years old. He'd grab the old man by the hand and say, I'll help you cross, pal. Now, there were no cars at the time, so obviously it was an easier, easier cross. <laughs> yep. But um, there were horses and stuff. Sure. And, you know, people don't talk about that. A lot of old men probably died from, you know, kids don't mind horses because they can run underneath them. I don't think that's advisable. Well, again, this is only this... I wasn't around 100 years ago. I go to art galleries and I look at paintings and I think, right, that's what happened. What art gallery has paintings of kids running underneath horses? Uh, well, well, when's the last time you went to an art gallery? Yeah, you know what, to be fair, I've ne- never been to one. One of my most favourite paintings is of a horse and uh, I don't know how big this horse is but there's about 20 babies all crawling babies? around underneath yeah, crawling around underneath and uh, the parents look on uh, they're on top of the horse and they look down and they're like oh, isn't everyone happy now getting back to um, getting back to this robot that you'd um, that you'd taken a shine to so you detected manners in him a certain charm basically it all started when he was the first person to well, I say person, Freudian slip, of course. I don't know what you call him anymore. Bloke, robot, but he questioned my cooking. Right. I was about to, uh, I was about to hand something out to the boys, and uh, he put his finger in it. Uh, that fell off. They, 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 they seem to be quite shoddily built, these robots. Well, you know, like, like I said, you know, this isn't... This is all just... We're all, it's all trying, we're all learning. Experimental. We? So he, um, he licked his finger, and he went, that needs more salt. And I looked at him, and no one had ever questioned my cooking before like that. Yes, yeah, so when you say licked his finger, did, you, did he pick up his finger with the remains of his hand? Uh, he put his head in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the bowl. Right. And then picked it out with his mouth. <laughs> right, so he was bobbing for his own finger. Again, yes, but I wouldn't phrase it the way you phrase it. You, the way you paint a picture is actually, I think, rude. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. I didn't. I, I appreciate because, you. Take... Yes, that's what he was doing. But how else is he going to get it out? What am I going to go in there as well? well he's no. got two. He's got two arms, presumably. And another, a, a... No, no, he did. No, he did. This guy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. What does he look like then? Very quickly. What does he look like? Yeah. So he's got. He's got a finger missing. We know that much about him. Have you seen uh, the Sopranos? Bits of it. Well, you know the main guy, Tony James Gandolfini. He looks like that, but get rid of I don't know twenty stone. Right. Like a really slim. Tony Soprano. Okay, but he's only got one arm. I think that's that's a more key defining attribute. He's he's miss, He's got one arm, and on his remaining arm, he's missing one finger, which he's now currently bobbing for in your. Was it soup? Sorry, was it soup? Uh, no, custard. He said the custard needs more salt. Did you give this robot a name? Given that he sort of you know he's different from the others, how did you sort of differentiate them? I, I, I well, I took a shine to him, so I called him Wonka. Wonka. 
Yes. As if in Willy Wonka. Like Willy Wonka, yeah. Because he was quite good at making sort of the desserts and that, that sort of stuff in the kitchen. No, he, he was terrible at that. He was just very good at uh, roly polies. He did have a stick because, of course, his balance was terrible not having two arms. But I always admired his top hat. How, how, how did your relationship with Wonka build then? Because he, uh, you got, got quite close to him? Yes, there were rumours it was a sexual relationship. Nothing I, I of the sort. I don't mean we need to, to get, get into that, do we? Nothing of the sort. He just came round to my house sometimes and, you know, again, I'm going to be honest with you, it's very difficult for me. A part of me knew he was a robot, yes. A part of me didn't want to believe he was a robot. Uh, and so I didn't ask any questions. And that really was where our friendship grew, I think. I didn't really ask him if he was a robot and ate batteries and he never really asked me anything, which was difficult, but... I, I loved my Wonka. So were you able to take him home? Were there not regulations sort of forbidding that, or that was that was encouraged? Uh, no, no, I wasn't allowed to take him home, and uh, this is why it's taken so long for my story to come out. Uh, what I had to do was leave with different parts of his body. Right. Have you seen the uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yes. So, uh, you know, every time he was digging a bit of his hole, he'd put it down his trousers and then on his uh, little run around... He'd get rid of the dust through yep. his trousers. Uh, basically, that's what I had to do with Wonka. I had to chop off his arm, shove it down my leg. Uh, when I got home, tip that out. Then the next day, uh, get his head, put it in my uh, T-shirt, go home, drop that on the sofa. And so- yeah, I think we can probably we can probably skip over the, <laughs> the the item by item account. But basically, you got all the body parts back to your house, and then you what? Yes. You were able to reconstruct him. Yes, I'd put him back together. Uh, I didn't actually know how to do that. You know, it's a very easy thing to uh, take something apart, but then to put it back together the way it works, difficult. Yeah, uh, I imagine so, but it's just to, to my ears, it doesn't sound like a complex bit of equipment. It just sounds you've just taken an arm off a torso. It's really quite easy to just stick that back on again. Uh, well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But like I said, uh, there aren't just wires inside these new robots now. There are lungs, kidneys, uh, you know, uh, spleen, intestines. Yeah, I don't need a list of that. It's, there's synthetic organs. Yes, but they all look the same. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you've ever seen a lung and you, you think, right, that goes into where the liver should go. I mean, they look exactly the bloody same. I don't know how doctors do it. An intestine, uh, if you scrunch it up, does look like a brain, okay? So I turned him on, and as soon as he had a battery, he'd just uh, spin out and run up the stairs and run down the stairs. Uh, You know, he kept going up and down the stairs like crazy. Uh, His legs started burning out because I'd put them on the wrong way. The neighbour downstairs, they come up and they go, I'm sorry, what's going on? I can hear people, you got an elephant in there? I said, "Uh, why do you say that? They said, well, because all I can hear is someone running around. I said, well... Why don't you have a look for yourself? She then fainted. She couldn't believe what she was seeing. Well, isn't this a secret? You're just willingly showing your neighbours you've got this robot running up and down the stairs. Well, she didn't know it was a robot. Right, she just thought it was a one-armed man. Yeah, who looks like uh, a, a very slim Tony Soprano. Next day, I saw her and apologised. I brought around a bottle of uh, uh, Rabina, and I said, look, very sorry about that. And she said, who's that chap? I said, pardon me. She went... He's very handsome, isn't he? I said, well, uh, I don't know, is he? She went, um, could you give him my number? And I thought, oh, no, 
Oh no, what have I done? I guess because as you say, Wonka's displaying, you know, human characteristics. How did he deal with the idea of, of romance and companionship? Well, I went, uh, the next day I saw him and said, uh, you know that, uh, you know when you were going absolutely mad on the stairs? Oh, so he's, cal- he's calmed down now? Yeah, he's calmed down after a while. I, uh, I said, you remember when you were going absolutely uh, bonkaroony on those stairs? He said, no. I went, no, well, you went mad. Anyway, a woman who lives downstairs, she heard you being a naughty boy, but she likes the cut of your chip. She thinks you look quite handsome. Here's her phone number. Now, have you ever given a robot a series of numbers? Oh, I see. Right, it triggers it triggers something inside them, does it? <laughs> they perceive it as a, as a code. Goodness me. What happened? Well, I said, look, why don't you just give her a little call? So I showed him this bit of paper. Yeah. Uh, it had a phone number on it. His eyes just flew out of his uh, skull. <laughs> I thought, this is a problem. I put my fingers straight in his eyes. I thought, right, got to keep whatever's in there. Got to keep them in there. So little did I know, I'd reach back and reset his brain. So now, all he did was speak uh, f- uh, Spanish. <sighs> I thought, issue. Issue, issue, issue. I can't speak Spanish. Now I can't speak to my friend. Do you live by yourself? Is that why you had sort of such companionship with, with Wonka? No, no, my wife hates him. You live on the army base with your wife, uh, but she was taking, she's taking a, a real dislike to this robot. She, yes, she doesn't like me uh, bringing my work home. Uh, which I think is a uh, cruel way of telling me that she doesn't like my cooking, but um, she also doesn't like it when I brought back Wonka. Did you try and convince your wife of Wonka's charms? Did you do it? make any effort to, to make inroads and getting the two to get along? Yes, yes, uh, we went for a drive, and, uh, you know, we went. I live near a cliff. Yes, I know, you live and work on an army base harp in the mountains. Yes, yes, and so what? if you ever do visit me, and you're more than welcome... Uh, are you? Because it sounds like you're involved in some top-secret research. Well, no, but you, you've got to pretend you don't know anything about the place. Right. Uh, but, you know, you do, obviously, but you've got to keep it on the hush. You walk up to the, the front gate, presumably yep. guarded, and just go, I know nothing about this base, can I come in, please? Yeah, you say, I'm here to see Ralph Matisse. They go, uh, OK, what is he, a mate of yours? You go, uh, yeah, I think we're friends. Think we're friends. Well, that might get you, you might, good point. Say, you're def- I'm definitely his mate. Right. Uh, they'll then open a uh, small hatch. You've got to walk down some stairs, and uh, I live second on the left. You've got free reign of the base. Oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want round there. How concerned were the army then that the robot had gone missing? Because this is this is critical research. The, the real uh, problem happened when my neighbour uh, wouldn't give up on, uh, on you know, on, 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 on dating Wonka. Uh, after about an hour, uh, he'd run out of uh, uh, batteries. And so he came, well, he came as a uh, kind word. He landed with a thump. I sat him at the kitchen table, made him a cup of tea. I went upstairs to speak to my wife. When I came back down, he'd gone. So, so, so what happened? he have gone with a neighbour? I think my neighbour had come in. She'd, because uh, we've all got keys to each other's houses. She'd come in and then took Wonka by the hand and led him out. And I know she'd led him out because he'd left uh, footprints all over my uh, beige rug. Basically, the neighbour na- the was so determined to, to get with, with him that she disappeared. And are you not responsible then? Oh, the yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm responsible, all right. I called the police. The military police? Yes. I said, look, we've got a big old problem here. I have, uh, don't know how to put this to you, been smuggling out one of my robot sous chefs through my trousers. My neighbour's fallen in love with him. And when I bought him a hot drink after him run out of batteries and landed with a bump... 
she's come in when I was arguing with my wife upstairs and nicked him because she's in love with him because he looks like a young Tony Soprano. Fucking hell. <laughs> what a story. Well, the young woman at the end of the phone said, uh, uh, well, first I've heard of this. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I went downstairs to my um, neighbor's uh, flat. Now, when you say, when you say neighbor, what, what's their role in the army base? Ah, well, I mean, no one ever knew. She said she was writing a novel. A novel? What is this? This is a top-secret research base, and you've just got, what, people just randomly writing novels, they don't seem to care if you just take the robots home with you, and you can just walk in... No, but they didn't know I was taking the robot, and also... Look, I don't know what she did, but oh, she said whenever I asked her, oh, I do this and that, and by the way, I'm writing a novel. And I thought, oh, you know, great, good luck, aren't we all? Anyway, I, I went to her flat and thought, I've never actually been in here. I knock on the door, and it's open. Yeah, she's just, she's, just, she's just left in a hurry. She's left in a hurry. She was a spy, and I realised she'd been living in the barracks to try and get information on the, on, on the robots. She went in love with Wonka. She wanted Wonka for the parts. How were you so quick to identify that she was a spy upon immediately entering her house? There was a huge amount of magic ink everywhere. Everywhere! There was, uh... What do you mean there was magic ink? The sort of ink you can only see under UV light? Yes, but I, I never go anywhere without my UV light. Right. So she was wi- she was writing messages to herself on her own walls? Yeah, stuff like, uh, Wonka. Wonka's fit. Get Wonka. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> Yeah. Horrible stuff, really horrible stuff. Is there a need for a to-do list, if that's your singular aim on the base? Well, no, but she wasn't just after Wonka. Right. She, uh, you know, she wrote, like, uh, need to find out how, uh, you know, what missiles they're using. She had a list. Number one, what missiles are they uh, are they using? Number two, how are they making these robots? And number three, find out the recipe for my uh, tagliatelle. Right, and did she ever Did she ever get that? Well, she did, because I thought, uh, you know, she was just a neighbour saying, I really enjoy your food. Uh, you know, what's the recipe? And I thought, well, you're a nice person. Uh, here it is. I now feel ridiculous because uh, it was only it only dawned on me when I stood in a flat that uh, I'd also given her the codes to how they build missiles. But again, that's because I just thought she was interested and was a nice person. And how did you begin to start tracking her down? The great thing about Wonka is that he would always leave a little drip of oil. And they were basically like robotic footprints mm. that dripped out of his ass. I mean, right. to, be, to be frank. So I thought, right, I need to follow the drips. 
Um, the police arrived at this point. Military police. Um, yeah, they arrested me. Yeah, for absolutely valid reasons. Well, I told them. I don't them. really think you should be telling us this story now. You don't know how it ends. <laughs> I don't. I got arrested. I said, look, we can do it this way, or I can help you find the boy Wanda. They, uh, they said, all right then. So as a group, we drove and we followed the drip. And I was terrified at where the drip was taking me. Why was that? Well, as I told you, I live on a mountain. Yeah. We got closer and closer to the edge. You're there at the edge of the mountain. The sort of it's big night time. Let me paint the scene again. You know, like my favourite painting is of this. Uh, it's, it's this it's horse this trampling m- babies. No, he's not trampling. He's he's, uh, he's licking sugar lumps off their head. Fantastic. It's beautiful. Honestly, brings a tear to the eye. What colour? Absolutely good. It's night time. You're at the you're at the edge of this mountain. You're trying to track Pitch down black. Wonka and your Pitch. neighbour, who is a Russian spy. Oh yes. Complete darkness. I tell the police cars, don't turn on your sirens. Have you ever shown a robot a police siren? They think it's their parents talking to them. They start getting very emotional. So I said, you can't turn on your sirens. You can't turn on your your lamps. We need to drive in complete darkness, and we've just got to be able to see if we can find them like that. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven near a cliff edge in complete darkness, but we lost about three police cars. Military police cars. Oh, yeah, they just fell off the edge. I I then spotted him. My neighbour, Sarah was her name, was dangling Wonka over And the she was trying to do what? Pass him off to her handlers, the, the, the Russian people that are trying to smuggle him out of the country? Well, yes, below there was a net. There were four Russian spies, and they were going to, uh, they were going to escape. There. Escape by what means? Just down the mountain into some other transport? Well, there's a jungle down in the yeah. mountain, and they were going to use a helicopter and just fly out. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I actually I looked down and uh, thought, well, that's how I'd do it. So you're there on the cliff edge, looking down over this jungle, this Russian helicopter there ready to carry everyone away. What do you do? Well, I, I, you've got to think fast in these situations. Yes. And um, Why are you leading this whole retrieval operation? I mean, I know you lost the robot, but surely your, your key military skills are, are being a chef. A very good question. Why are the police uh, using a chef? I was bait. Right. You've got to remember... I knew my neighbour very well. She'd lived there for uh, seven years. And seven years on. as a Russian spy, <laughs> under the cover story of I'm a novelist writing about this army base. It was a long novel, about long book. I don't know. She said it was a long book. I, I knew how I knew her, so she uh, she liked me. We liked each other. We got on. You yeah, know, of course, she, nice. but yeah, but only because you were revealing not only the secrets of your recipes, but but also crucial missile information. Yes, I understand that now, don't I? Harry Hindsight's the biggest trader in town. Is that an, expre- uh, is that an expression? <laughs> yes. I must have missed that one growing up. <laughs> He's the biggest trader in town, Harry Hindsight. Right, what does he you trade? Know, he, he, Hindsight. Wow, that's a good... If you could buy Hindsight... You'd go to Harry Hindsight. Yeah, if you could buy Hindsight, like ketchup... Let's not get into this. So you're bait there for Sarah and Wonka and the other Russian sort of spies. Right. What do you mean? And and when when you mean bait, what do you mean by that? Because it sounds like they've already got exactly what they're after. They haven't got him yet. She's dangling Wonka off the edge of the cliff. Right. Now, remember, it is complete darkness. Yes. We can't turn on the lights because Wonka will think it's his parents. Right. So, I've also instructed them not to turn on the headlights. Yeah. So it is complete darkness. Yeah, we've got the idea it's darkness and it can't be brighter than that. I'm. I, you've got to think fast in these situations. Yeah, second time you said that. I. <laughs> you've got to think fast. So there we are, he's been dangled down the cliff. Think fast, what do you do? Well, if you remember correctly, uh, Wonka 
is a chef. I am a chef. Yes. We are dressed in the same clothes. I think if I jump down before she releases Wonka, they'll think they've got Wonka, but it'll actually be me, and I'll uh, I'll, I'll be uh, taken away. Oh, I see. So you'll, you'll, you'll take the place of Wonka. They'll think they've got the robot, but it, it's you, and then you're able to escape afterwards. Exactly right. So I whisper to the policeman, try and negotiate with her. I'm going to jump off the cliff. The policeman goes... They alert the spies now to their presence. They're like, stop. They go, stop, 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 stop. Stop this. Can you please put Wonka down, but about 50 foot away from where he is right now? The neighbour starts laughing. While she's laughing, I think, this is my time. I jump. I land in the net. Yeah. They immediately tie it up, throw me into the helicopter, the back of the helicopter, and it flies off. As I look out of the the net and out of the back of the helicopter, I could see my neighbour just, you know, completely... Baffled. Baffled. She's going... Where, where, where have you gone? You know, she, she, where, where are you going? <laughs> In her shock, she drops the fishing rod that she's dangling. Uh, fishing rod? She's dangling him off the side of uh, the cliff. She just, you know, out of shock, drops the rod, and Wonka sadly uh, completely falls to his, uh, his demise into the, into the jungle. So that's a real shame, because this whole exercise was you trying to retrieve Wonka, and now not only have you failed to do that, you've been captured by Russian spies in a Russian helicopter. I uh, was in a gulag for uh, a good uh, 18 months, and I wrote a letter to uh, the head of police. A military police. I think, I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding here about how the army is structured. It's a secret army base. People don't know it's there, apart from her. I don't know how she found that out. And <laughs> anyone listening to this podcast? I got, uh, I, I, I got into a, uh, a correspondence. I would send dispatch boxes to and from uh, my gulag to uh, where I used to live. And I said, uh, you know, what are we going to do about this? They said, we can't get you out of the gulag. I was like, well, that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's annoying. But they said, I'll tell you what, we're going to cheer you up. I'm afraid we didn't find Wonka, but we have found the detail of when he was first built. And so what we're going to do is send you everything you need to make yourself your own Wonka. They send this, this letter, this instruction manual to you in this gulag of how to build your own Wonka. Yes. Now, sadly, that letter never reached me uh, because it was intercepted by the, uh, the Russian authorities. <laughs> right, OK. They so- were absolutely delighted because they thought they'd completely fucked it up. Uh, but then they just got sent how to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they've got, they've got the missile secrets, your recipe for whatever it was, and now the full instructions on how, how to build this robot. Yeah. And sorry, this, 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 this was all because the army were trying to cheer you up. Well, they were sad because I was in prison. Uh, but anyway, the Russians, they were devils. Uh, I mean, so uh, genuinely horrible. What sort of stuff did they do to you? Well, it wasn't about what they did to me. It was about who they got to do it to me. I didn't realise any of this was happening until Wonka uh, turned up at the bars of my uh, prison door. I wept like a baby. I'm not ashamed to say that to you. But he'd been rebuilt as a, as a, as a Russian creation. He had been rebuilt, and I obviously looked the same, but he had been chipped to hate me and the worst day was when Wonka slid a newspaper underneath my uh, prison door there was a small ga- small gap yeah and, 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 and as you said earlier bars yes yeah he, he, I told him he could have put it through the bar but he, he always liked to wind me up and slide it under the door he slid it and he said open page 32 now I, I don't know Russian so I had to count page 32 myself. Do they have a different numbering system? 
<laughs> this one did. I uh, went to page 32. Yeah. I thought, what is this? What did you see? It was the Russian Times Books of the Month. Yeah. Number one, bestseller. My neighbour had finished her novel. Sarah had finished, finished the novel. So, so not only was she a spy, but she was publishing all that she found out about the base freely in Russia. Well, the truth is, she wasn't lying about writing a novel, but she just didn't tell the whole truth that she was also a Russian spy. Mm-hmm. I said, well, why are you showing me this, Wonka? He said, have a look at this. And he had a copy of her book, 800 pages. And he slid that under the, uh, under the door. What a big gap. <laughs> yes, yeah, big gap. It could, it could fit about an 800-page book, this gap. Right. He said, look at the index. Look up your name, Ralph Matisse. There was only one mention of me. Page, I don't know what it was, about 560, around that mark. She said I was an appalling neighbour who always took his bins out late. Oh dear. And that's the only mention she put of me in that book. And the whole book is about her time at the at the barracks. And that was your main beef with her, was it? That you weren't credited enough in her life story. <laughs> not the fact that you're in a Russian gulag, not the fact that the Russians had rebuilt your friend to become some sort of prick, but it was the fact that you hadn't been acknowledged much in Sarah's book. What is my legacy? Just, oh, he ended up in a gulag and he took his bins out on the wrong day. Well, I dream of taking my bins out right now because I'm still in the prison and there's nothing I miss more than taking bins out. One sort of final question then. How does it feel seeing Wonka then, I guess, rebuild as this Russian agent on a daily basis? Does it make you sad? It makes me very sad. And he's like, what, a sort of a prison a prison guard for you? He is my sole prison guard. And it's very sad because obviously I, he looks the same and I remember him uh, being my friend. And uh, it's very hard to have that reminder every day in the gulag. But I'm no fool. You've got to know that about me. I'm not an idiot. I remembered how he was put together. I remember how to fuck with him. How to fuck with him? I remembered when Sarah had given me her phone number. Oh, yes, to, of course. Uh, to, to go on a date with him. Little did I know that she wanted him for his parts. Yes, but little did she know that that phone number caused some sort of operating system failure within him. I remembered her phone number because, uh, like I said, she was a neighbour and uh, she'd often play loud music and I'd have to call her and tell her to turn it down. She played it so often, I knew the number off by heart. I said, Wonka, Wonka, can I borrow some uh, pen and paper to write down my thoughts, please? Will you spare a man his own thoughts? Wonka got up and uh, gave me some parchment, yeah, some ink and a uh, yeah. piece of uh, paper, pen. Right. All of those items? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said, I don't need all this. Anyway, I wrote down the, uh, <laughs> wrote down the phone number. And then I went, Wonka, Wonka. Come close, Wonka. He moved, shuffled over, zipped over, actually, robot. And uh, I said to him, can you check the spelling on my uh, on my memoir? <laughs> You've just written down a single phone number and you've gone, oh, I finished my memoirs. He doesn't know that, does he? He hasn't got a clue what a memoir is. I, uh, I put the bit of paper against the bar. His eyes pop out. I remember what to do. Fingers through the bars. Funk into his skull. Bang! He's dead. So they swept him up. And they said, um, do you want anything to remember him by? And they chucked me his name badge. And uh, I've got that sucked to magnetically onto one of the bars as a reminder of my time uh, with Wonka as I uh, wrote my memoir in the Gulag. Well, we all look forward to, to reading your real memoirs, um, Ralph. Thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, well, wish you the best of luck and, and hope that you're released at some point in the future. 
Well, thank you. Um, you know, uh, goodbye. Well, that's what we've got time for. This episode was researched by John Kearns and edited by Matt Ewings. Sound effects were added by Ben Williams and the theme tune was by Nikki Green. Follow our Twitter account, at Microscope Fun, for details of future gigs and other little things that we're up to. Next week, I'll be talking to a plumber out on the hunt for the Holy Grail. But until then, remain vigilant and catch you next time on Microscope. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.